Welcome to Fintech Impact. This podcast is an exploration of the financial technology world, interviewing different fintech entrepreneurs about what they do, their story, and what their impact is on consumers, incumbents, and the industry as a whole. Here's your host, award-winning financial planner, university lecturer, and writer, Jason Pereira. Hello and welcome to the Fintech Impact Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show, we have Jan Perulo, CEO of Extrema. Extrema is a US-based fintech that builds tools for helping financial advisors both build their practice, but also deal with the ever-growing fiduciary responsibility that many of them are facing in their practice. This was a fascinating conversation. It's a good view of what's going on in the US on a regulatory front and a tech front, so I hope you enjoy it. And with that, here's my interview. Hello, Jan. Hello, Jason. Thanks for taking the time today. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on the on the podcast. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks. Uh, thanks again. So, Rickstrema, tell me about your company. So, Rickstrema is uh, steeped in risk management, basically, for uh, lack of a better word. We've you know started off in the in the market risk management space, and gradually progressed to kind of all aspects of fiduciary risk management, or not. I shouldn't say all aspects, but many other aspects of fiduciary risk management, from 401k plan designs to doing rollovers. We kind of have our hands in, in a, quite a few different aspects of risk management. And what's your background? My background is as a practitioner, really. So I started off my career at a, another fintech company called FactSet Research Systems based in uh, Greenwich, Connecticut. I started off as the director of quantitative analytics there. And as many people that start off in a role like that in software, where you're dealing with a lot of the practitioners, you always think that you can do it and do it better. And so I made a move to actually managing money, starting off with hedge funds and, and moving to long-only funds and mutual funds and other things. The career progressed from there to that of an asset allocator, where I was the uh, chief risk officer for a, a pool of defined benefit pension money here in the U.S. and also some nuclear decommissioning trust uh, money. Nuclear and, decommissioning trust. Interesting. Yeah, yeah that's a, it was something I didn't know a lot about either. Not, not many people do. But uh, essentially, when uh, you have a nuclear reactor here in the U.S., the uh, person in charge of that reactor has to put aside money to decommission that re- reactor at a later date. And it's in the billions. And you essentially have to make sure that that pool of money grows to be enough to decommission, you know, to handle that expected decommissioning cost at the end. And that's what a nuclear decommissioning trust is, but, you know, heavily regulated. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, there, there's no, you know, wild, uh, you know, bets in, in those, you know, you're not doing private equity money in a, in a nuclear decommissioning trust typically. And then from there, a family office briefly, uh, office called Tresselia. And then I moved here to Rick Strima. Uh, recently to uh, be the CEO when Rickstrema acquired a company called Larkspur Data Resources. So basically, keep in mind that when we talk about this, our audience tends to be, well, hopefully is going to be more international, but this is specific to the U.S. case. But I still think that what, you're, what you guys are doing is a, is a very interesting sign of the trends that are going on around the world. Do you want to talk about the products you offer so we can kind of comment on those? Yeah, you know, one is truly a, one that could be interesting to your, your global audience, and that's, that's the risk management tools that we provide. Rickstrema started off, indeed, I came to Rickstrema as a client of Rickstrema, an early adopter of Rickstrema, and we've offered this risk management platform called Riskostat, which was an institutional risk management platform. I managed the Nuclear Decommissioning Trust money with it. I managed the Nuclear Decommissioning Trust assets with the software and uh, also the family office money with the software. So the Riskostat software that Rickstrema has provided was a integral part of, of managing those pools of assets. And what it did is it allowed us to really get a good idea of 
how these portfolios, very complicated portfolios, were positioned from a risk perspective and you know, has robust scenario analysis and things like that in it. We took the Riskostat platform, which is the institutional platform, and we created an advisor-facing tool, which is a, a what we call portfolio crash test. And what it allows advisors to do is to load their portfolios of mutual funds, stocks, bonds, what have you, for their clients and get robust scenario testing on that software. So for example, you can see what the impact of a 30% equity market decline in, you know, call it the US or, or Canada, you, you can choose which equity markets you're stressing while you're seeing an increase in, for example, the US 10-year interest rate and what impact that would have on your portfolio. And so it gets a really nice picture of not just the risk of the portfolio, but how it would be expected to perform in different scenario environments. And that's a portfolio uh, crash test tool. So how those you, two. Sorry for me. Yeah. How are you testing that? Is it based on historical performance in those scenarios? Are you? Is there projections as to what the impact would be based on current market conditions? How is that being done? Yeah. So basically, you're you're giving the market. You're telling the system what the market will do. And what we have is we have sensitivities to those um, factors in the system. But those factors don't happen in isolation, right? So a decrease in the U.S. equity market doesn't just mean that that one factor, the U.S. equity market, your equity beta, goes down by thirty percent and that you have some beta to that factor. It also means that spreads are going to widen, most likely. It also means that something's going to happen in the UK and in Canada and in Japan. And so all of those factors in the background have to be dealt with in a very robust way. And we actually have papers on it. We, you know, the, the team at Rickstream has won awards on, uh, on their research for reverse stress testing and, and all, all kinds of papers have been published about this methodology and, and how it exactly works. But but really, it's a, it's a much more complicated thing than just saying, okay, well, I have a, a beta to this portfolio, and I'm just going to assume that's that's what the stress test captures. So it's actually a really robust platform that we've kind of created in a, I'm going to say a simple way, because it's, it's, it's a much more streamlined and simple product than the Riskostat institutional product. But that's the, that's the PCT platform in a nutshell. Okay. So basically, I developed my client portfolio. I put in the financial plan. Everything looks fine. But hey, you know what? I can run a Monte Carlo analysis, but I can also slap that portfolio into your into your software, run it by, I think I saw like over a dozen scenarios, everything from the 2008 crash to, as you said, interest rate increases or inflationary times and see how that reaction would impact the long-term performance, correct? Absolutely. And it's actually, it's really flexible because those are the kind of the ones that we've allowed advise. We have about a hundred that advisors can pick from, so you can customize that list, but we also have the ability to go in and, and customize them for advisors. So if, for example, if you're looking at something that's very particular to the way that you look at the world, we can load that in there for you. And you can see that every time that you go into the portfolio crash test tool, you can say, all right, well, well Jason's doom day scenario is X. And that's what this portfolio would, would happen to the portfolio in that scenario. So it is a pretty robust platform. And, and, and we also think it's pretty flexible as well with the way that you're, we're not pigeonholing you into our worldview of what we think the uh, market outcomes might be. And are you looking just to keep this as a standalone product or have you looked into integration with other financial planning softwares at all? That's one of the, my primary goals in 2018 is to start to integrate that into some other financial planning software. We're actually, you know, one of the things that we've heard and it's for some time, but clients want simplicity in the way that their workflow happens. And so if we can integrate into some of the things that advisors are already using, integrate our pieces, we would be thrilled to do that. Right now it is just a standalone product, but it really makes sense 
to integrate into some of those financial planning packages and things like that, because it's really, you know, I think it's a really important tool in an advisor's toolkit to understand that portfolio positioning at a much deeper level. And, and quite frankly, what I've heard from my clients is that when they have a discussion in the way that we present it in PCT, which is essentially, you know, dollars that you will lose or gain in these scenarios, and that's kind of the trade-off that there were, it makes the, the risk discussion much more, um, much simpler, right? You're not, uh, it's not some big concept. It's dollars and cents that actually mean something and, and, and market moves that are actually tangible to clients because most have been through similar types of, of, of movement. So I see that. I mean, like you're literally taking their exact portfolio, you're putting them in and saying, hey, these are the scenarios that happened in the past or could happen in the future. And, and you know, here's how your portfolio would react. And it's not a guessing game, right? It's not like taking a questionnaire and saying, okay, I don't want a stomach less than, I can't stomach more than a 10% downturn. You're actually saying, well, no, this portfolio did X in that downturn. Yes. You can say basically 2008, you would expect this portfolio to do X in 2008. But that's one of the things that, that I think that's good to frame the discussion. But you also need to say, you know, what do we think? You know, for example, in 2008, interest rates started off above 4% on the U.S. 10-year, right? So you had a, a reasonably large flight to quality that could occur when the markets started to, to fade. And so that meant that the interest rates fell a lot. Well, even though they're back up three percent, so that you know, my, my point is, is is less valid now than it was two months ago when when rates <laughs> were still closer to two. But there wasn't the same ability for rates to create the cushion against falling equity markets as as there as there was in two thousand eight. So the scenarios are a little bit different. You can't have that that exact scenario again. You can't have a meltdown scenario. So those things are a little bit different now than they were then. So that sounds fantastic. And I think I would assume that what you're going to do is become another dimension of stress testing within those financial planning softwares, right? As to say, given all these different scenarios that could happen or given this scenario that could happen, this entire plan could crash, not just the portfolio could crash. Yeah, that's exactly right. One of the things that I think Monte Carlo, which you touched on a little bit earlier, does really well is it gives you that range of outcomes. But the problem is, let's say I run, you know, a thousand Monte Carlo simulations on a on a, a portfolio, and I see that the bottom five percent of the outcomes are are just unacceptable, and so I make some adjustments. But the problem is you don't really know what's in those bottom, what's driving those bottom five percent of your outcomes. And indeed, when you look at you know five percent of a large number, it becomes essentially like it's a smooth line. So you don't really see the individualized path that is happening in those Monte Carlo simulations. This kind of gives you some of that individual color for what those driving factors behind the portfolio are. So I think that, you know, it's not the only tool that you need to use in risk management, but it's certainly a, a really good tool to understand the drivers of the portfolio. So that's the kind of almost global product you have, but you have a couple of uh, very important U.S. specific fiduciary type tools. Can you take us through those? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the tools that was developed out of the portfolio crash testing was the what we call the IRA fiduciary optimizer. And this is a, one of our, our newer tools, actually, but it incorporates the portfolio crash testing. So I'll, I'll talk about it first. The IRA fiduciary optimizer drives. So the DOL fiduciary rule here in the U.S. essentially requires that you document any time that you are rolling over retirement, you know, essentially any sort of retirement plan asset you document why that's in the best interest of the of the participant. So this essentially helps you do that. It asks all of the legal questions that you're supposed to ask. It, it analyzes the portfolio. It has a huge database of Form 5500 data behind it. It has a huge database of Form 5500 holdings because you're supposed to, when applicable or when available, analyze the, the current lineup that the participant has access to. So it gives you all this information to 
make the analysis of if that rollover is in the best interest of the client, and then to document it. One of the things that we put in there was the PCT, the Portfolio Crash Test Tool, because again, our background is as risk managers, we think it's really important that if you are making a recommendation on behalf of your client, that one, it is an appropriate recommendation from a risk perspective, and two, that you really understand the impacts of what you're coming from and what you're going to, and that the client understands that. So we put this whole risk package into the IRA fiduciary optimizer as part of the advisor's decision process as to whether or not that rollover is in the client's, their client's best interest. So instead of just arguing, hey, I've looked at these points, you literally have compared plan for plan, option for option, price per price, and can say, hey, this is the tangible benefit and tangible savings over time. There's that aspect of it in there as well. There's that you not just when there's a crisis, but there's also you know making the assumptions of, of the growth, why you might move to a more conservative portfolio, and there's the ability to query the participant as to their risk profile. So the program that you had with uh, Finometrica, we incorporate their software into our system. So if you're a client of Finometrica and you're a client of Rickstrima, you can use the Finometrica risk profiler to get your clients risk assessment and bring that in seamlessly into the application and make sure that the risk tolerances that you're proposing line up with their risk tolerances. So the risk portfolio that you're proposing lines up with the client's risk tolerance. And we have our own as well, our own uh, risk questionnaire, but we, we think it's an important part of understanding the client's needs and then matching that to what the portfolio really looks like. Excellent. Now, there were two other tools. So what, what about, uh, who do you want to talk about next? What's your next favorite child? <laughs> yeah. So really probably the favorite child at the moment is probably something a little bit separate, which is our 401k fiduciary optimizer. And, and it goes into the reason why we did this acquisition of, of Larkspur, which I think is a really exciting thing for us. So the 401k fiduciary optimizer, in the US, we have a 401k plans, and they're usually a selection of anywhere from 10 to 100 mutual funds that uh, participants can select. We created this 401k fiduciary optimizer to ensure that it's really created for two things. It's, it's one, created to help create that lineup, make it better for participants. It's designed to help advisors prospect for new clients for their advisory business for so they can be advisors on the 401k plan. And with some of the litigation, one of the key pieces of litigation being Tibble Edison here in California that was decided last summer, which basically said that sponsors are under an obligation to offer their participants the lowest available fee class, share class, so that their clients are essentially not getting, not being charged higher fees for the same exact product. That was one of the decisions in Tibble. And so we created something within this 401k fiduciary optimizer that we're calling the, the plan monitor. So it can help advisors monitor their plans on a weekly basis, which kind of gives them that nice fiduciary oversight into making sure that no lower share classes were, were offered. So that's um, an that, interesting and important point there. So the fiduciary responsibility doesn't just exist at the time of implementation. They have to maintain it on, a on an ongoing basis, not like a regular checkpoint. Yeah, that's exactly wow. right. So, and what was really interesting about Tibble and why we created this plan monitor, and, and I mentioned that it's monitored weekly, which is arguably overkill for monitoring a 401k <laughs> plan. Okay. Okay. But it, at least I you're mean, admitting it. At least you're admitting it. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's a computer doing it. But exactly. but the thing about Tibble that said they said two to five months when there was a, a lower cost share class available, the two to five months was range. too long. Yeah, I mean, it's a range, but two to five months was too long for the 
fiduciaries to make a change to the plan. They, they waited too long. And it was only two to five months, which I read that. I, I, I thought I misread it. I mean, that, that seems... That seems yeah. like logistically impossible. I mean, like, how long would it take to actually paper over a transfer of an entire 401k plan for a company? Well, no, not the entire 401k plan. So basically, okay, if, so if I'm, if, yeah, so if I'm in a single, like, let, let's say I'm in the uh, reasonably low cost R6 share class, and then they come out with something, and that's 75 basis points. And then they come out with something that's called the advisor share class, and that's only 50 basis points. So this is a mutual fund company. Use your favorite mutual comp fund company. I have one fund. That is a large cap core fund at uh, active fund at 75 basis points. And then they release the same exact fund for 50 basis points in a different share class. What Tibble said is that if you're not prevented from logistically from like the with the size or anything like that, if you're able to invest in that cheaper share class, you essentially have to do that. So that's what the lower cost share options are in the U.S. I mean, that was one of the key findings of Tibble. So two uh, to five months is too long. What's a reasonable amount of time? Well, that's why we do weekly. (laughs) (laughs) I think that basically what has to happen is that the advisor should get a notification that that lower fee class is available, that lower cost share class is available, and then make an action plan from there. They didn't say what was reasonable. They didn't say what was acceptable, but they said two to five months was too long. So that essentially means that you've probably got to start the ball rolling kind of as soon as you know it. And that's why that's one of the reasons why we had such a, a high frequency of run times on the 401k fiduciary optimizer. It looks at some other things in that plan monitor as well, rather than just the, the low cost fee options. It looks at other funds that are highly correlated if one's really started to underperform, because you might as well, if you're running it through a computer anyways, you might as well run some other analytics as well. But uh, that's what the plan monitor does. Is, is So that's kind of the third pillar of what our tool does. Well, I kind of get and, why it's your favorite child now. I mean, like, <laughs> I would have to think that what you're doing becomes a default or is pretty much close to a default for anyone who's running a 401k plan in the U.S. because of that danger. I mean, like two to five months, you miss you miss one memo or email if you're not using some sort of tool like what you provide and you're offside. Especially if you have more than a couple plans yeah. that have more than just, you know, a few funds in them each. This can be a really daunting proposal for advisors, I think. And so, yeah, so I think that it's a uh, it's something that's, you know, I think incredibly useful. We added it to the tool that's really not the big selling point behind the tool, however. The big selling point is the, the ability to create, I think, better lineups for plans so that their participants have potentially better outcome at lower costs. Hmm. Um, so everything about the 401k fiduciary optimizer is designed about creating better outcomes for participants, but it's really about allowing the advisor to take control of that. So we're very much looking at ourselves as like a, a partner to the advisor in, in that regard. Yeah, I mean, the... Uh it's interesting. You've got both the compliance play, right, and that they're they need to meet the need of that, that standard. And then you also have the hey, you know what? By running this software, you're going to be kept up to date. You're going to be able to go back with good news stories to your membership on a regular basis because every time there's a fee cut, you'll be able to announce that immediately because you're going to have notification of it. You save them money. Who doesn't want to hear that? Yeah, I mean, and the kicker I think for the advisors is it it also helps them win new business. I mean, that's really one of the primary reasons that people take a look at the product to begin with. Actually, mm-hmm. you know, when I came to this product, I thought of it much more the way that you did. I was like, you know, this this must be great for advisors that have have business. And I think everything that you just said is absolutely true. But the real reason why uh, advisors start to take a look at the at the product to begin with is because prospecting, winning new business, is so difficult. And so what this does is this allows you to search plans in your area. And essentially, it comes up with a, a list of savings that are possible to reach in a plan like this. So essentially, it identifies wasteful plans. And we have holdings on about 85,000 plans in the U.S. And so if you're an advisor, I put your 
zip code in, you look at look in your area or however you want to really, really search. So you're sourcing uh, these also for them? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We source them as well, but they can upload their own. So in the U.S., the larger plans, you know, typically more than 100 participants have to file holdings. It's called a Schedule H and a Form 5500. They have to file that. We have what's called image recognition software that goes through and identifies all of that, all of the holdings, ties it back to tickers. It's usually you probably mercifully haven't spent much time in Form 5500s. Thank God. But, not, but yeah, if you actually look at these documents, they're they're not the most user friendly documents in the world. So oftentimes they look like they're hand typed and, and the different abbreviations are used. There's almost never a, a ticker or other types of identifiers. And so it's actually a lot of work to get as many plans in the system as, as we have. And so we've, we've done that part of it. Those are for the largest plans. If you happen to work with smaller plans, well, those holdings aren't available to the broader market. So we do two things. One, we allow you to upload the holdings if you have contact there. But two, we acquired this Planisphere uh, database from Larkspur. So Larkspur data is the, the acquisition that I mentioned before. And the way that I really think of Larkspur versus Rickstreamo, we don't play in the same sandboxes, even though we, we are both covering the same universe of 401k. The 401k tool that I just described to you goes very deep into a plan. Like we talked about, you're looking at the, the individual funds, you're, you're looking at alternatives based on similarity and, and cost and, and performance and all these things. But the Planisphere product really looks broadly at these plans. And so it, it essentially brings in information on every single plan. It identifies red flags, warning signs for plans. It identifies different characteristics about the performance of the plan. So even though we can't get too deep into the plan menu, at that point, because it's just not publicly available, Planisphere gives you all this great information on what those smaller 401k plans look like. So you can still prospect and try to win that business as well, as well at the same time. So that's why we thought we would, by getting Planisphere on our platform, we would have just a much more comprehensive offering for advisors. So, I mean, this thing, <laughs> I love it. So this thing keeps you on site from a compliance standpoint, allows you to basically actively and readily manage the plan so that you can reduce fees and costs for the for the employees and for the for the plan sponsor, and then turn around and also give them the give them leads on where to go and be able to speak to before they even meet with the person, be able to speak to the savings that they could possibly put into place. Like, do you do everything, including write the script for these people? Like, that <laughs> yeah. is that's as turnkey as it comes, quite frankly. Yeah, the neat thing too is that we just launched something in the two tools, which we're calling the executive uh, tab, which is a list of the executives at the firm that you're trying to reach. <laughs> their profile. So now you know who to call. <laughs> so now you know who to call and how to reach them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we can't get their phone numbers. That's not that easy. Can but... you snoop the social media and find out what their favorite sports team is so you can you know bond <laughs> over that? We give you their social media contacts so you can do that. But oh yeah. Oh my god, you give them that too. That is wow. I don't um, know if that's voyeuristic or just brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe a little of both, uh, but yeah. uh, we're really trying to help the advisor get to those. I mean, it's the most difficult part of their business is winning is winning business. And that's you, you just highlight one of the points where people are looking at the tool because it does help for that prospecting, which is which is a challenge. So we'll go over the cost of the other ones we talked about in a minute. But what is the cost for that tool? So that tool is on a monthly basis. Uh, sorry, it used to be on a monthly basis, but what we're moving to now is, is a more annual or semi-annual subscription basis. And we're, we're packaging both the 401k fiduciary optimizer and Planisphere for $16.95 for six months. What? So, yeah, I know. That's, a, that's what we... So, I, I, so who's not using you and why? It's an interesting question. I think, in all honesty, I think this tool, these tools together really work best in the advisor that understands that 
space, understands how to navigate it because there is still navigation. The advisor still needs to have skill to utilize these tools. I, I think the tools are, are spectacular, but the advisor still needs to have the ability to execute. And if the advisor can't execute, well, then you're just wasting $1,695 every six months. And the tool isn't going to win the business for you. You, st- you still need to have a value proposition outside of showing that you can save the plan money that you can keep them on size with the fiduciary because a lot of people are saying that. And so you as an advisor do need to have a value. Some people have had great luck getting into the business with the tool because they oh, had it. Say, this is a fantastic lead gen tool when you're starting out too. I think it is. But you know, different people have had different different success with it. But the ones that have had success have been wildly successful with it. And that's, you know, there, there's some testimonials on the website and things like that. It's uh, It's been a you know, fantastically successful tool for us. So you have a fourth child that we haven't talked about yet. <laughs> What's that one? Well, on the Larkspur side, we have something called Prospects of Wealth, which is another lead gen tool, which helps advisors look for uh, high net worth individuals in their area. And that's kind of... I didn't even free. see that one yet. Okay. So this is... <laughs> oh, great. So now you give them a list of, of wealthy people in the area to go bug. That's... Can, yeah, wow. exactly. So, so that, that's kind of with the PCT and IRA. And then we have something called the annuity optimizer. The annuity optimizer is really interesting. It's quite frankly, I scratch my head about it because it's, it's a fantastic tool. It allows advisors or essentially anybody to compare an existing annuity and the cost of rolling into another annuity. It, it's really a great product. We've been told by many people that are, are in that business, very close to that business. It's actually very incredible at what it does. But I think with some of these fiduciary rules and things like that, people are, are it hasn't been our most wildly successful product. So it is our fourth and my least favorite child, I would say, if I'm allowed to have a least favorite child. Fair enough. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> that's typically the part of the market we're discussing here that is probably the most opaque in terms yeah. of, and hardest to understand, too, because all these features, right? So yeah. um, it's also the least that's, from my understanding, the, the one that's least moved towards a fee-based structure or fee-only mm-hmm. structure. So doesn't surprise me, but I mean, like I, I know from looking at some of those things, the convoluted nature of some of those contracts to be able to compare apples to apples to see if you can basically make someone better off by moving from A to B without losing much in terms of guarantees is, is usually valuable. But your least favorite child, okay, so it's the stepchild of the group. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it, it's only my least favorite child because it, it's hard to find. It's having the uptake hasn't been as fast as what we would like, and so I'm, I'm saying it's my least favorite. But it was actually the one that probably took the most second most work. I'd say that you know the risk product is by far the most, was and continues to be the most labor intensive. It requires updating, but the annuity optimizer was very difficult to, to develop from a execution perspective, because like you said, there are so many different parts of those contracts, so many different things that need to happen to do the apples and apples comparison. It's not just look at this one and, and, and you're going to get all the information publicly somewhere. It's like, no, you got to put in the riders. You got to put in all these kinds of different Well, I heard people up here who do business in the, in the, in the U.S. basically pitching this idea years ago. And I thought to myself, that's a, that's a daunting task. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got there. It was, and it is. So those are really our products, but really the core are the PCT into the IRA. It's kind of almost one tool at this point. We're kind of just, we've sort of combined them in some ways and then the 401k and then the complimentary larks for products. Yeah. So does everything, so you said the, the, the previous pricing you gave me, that was for two of the tools or what do you price these out separately? How does that work? Yeah. So we, we usually price them out separately. If, if, if an advisor wants to kind of get the suite, we definitely make things uh, much more attractive because one of the things that we always do is we believe that the clients that are going to be good long-term users of our tools are clients that really understand how to use the tools. And so we spend quite a bit of time training our clients. I mean, there's always a, there's a one-on-one training. You have contacts at the firm. So, I mean, it, we, we take support very seriously, but the idea is that because the products all kind of look and act similarly, 
that the training and, and the ongoing maintenance for you as a client is less the more of our products you have. So we really price them appropriately that way. The, the PCT slash IRA fiduciary optimizer is $150 a month. So we kind of still produce do that one on a monthly basis, although we'll probably be moving the way that we did for 401k to more semi-annual and annual contract, mostly for record keeping and things like that. And the real opportunity there is at the enterprise level. I mean, some of these larger firms that are trying to wrestle with compliance issues, I think the, the IRA fiduciary optimizer just makes so much sense either as uh, you know, some of the pieces that are very difficult for many of these firms to get access to, or as a complete solution. We've spent a lot of time on that DOL rollover with some you know, very experienced ERISA attorneys to make that product as you know, kind of robust as we can, given what we know about the DOL fiduciary rule and the enforcement of it. And then, like you said, the rollout of the PCT into potentially some other platforms, making it kind of a nicely integrated with some of the advisors of the workflow. Those are those are the things that we're really, really working on here. It's funny, because um, we got introduced through the gentleman in Finimetrica, and the question I asked him at one point was, do you ever have to testify in court <laughs> because <laughs> his tool and the ability to assess risk? And you know how poorly it's done in this industry in general. I just look at him as a as an expert witness at some point. And looking at what you guys provide, I have to think that that's in your future too. That your tools are going to be used to determine whether or not someone was in compliance with the uh, with the fiduciary standard rules. I think so. There, there's still such a new area that you know we, we saw the I believe it's the first lawsuit last week out of Massachusetts against Scott Trade for yeah. violation of the DOL fiduciary rule. And so this is really whether or not I'll, you know I'll ever be called as an expert witness or or you know maybe Daniel that from Rickstream will be called as an expert witness. I'm not sure about that or if the tool will be introduced as as evidence, but my hope is that if you're using our tool, I'm not called as an expert witness or, or anything like that because you're you're complying with the rule because you've... <laughs> I'm not talking about your customers getting called. I'm talking about everybody who's Got not it. your customer getting called. <laughs> so uh, tell me, what kind of competition do you face in this market? Uh, I don't think I've come across anyone doing what you're doing. You're wrong. No, there is competition. There's always competition. Anytime sure. you have an idea, anytime you have a space where there's there's the ability to make money, I think it's uh, it, it's very difficult to get the space to yourself, unfortunately. But... I think that one of the things that's nice about the way that we do things is we've always taken a little bit of a different angle on it. For example, you have other firms that are out looking to help win 401k business, but I think we just took it a step farther with some of our similarity metrics and things that we've done under the platform that just make our tool unique. For example, some of the big firms out there have these tools that they've built themselves Mm -hmm. to help their advisors select 401k platforms. So, you know, an advisor is trying to pitch business they can go back to their home office and say, you know, here, we have a $10 million 401k that I'm trying to win. Can you suggest a nice platform for me? But it's kind of like, here's choice A, which you're in, Mr. or Mrs. Sponsor, and here's choice B, which I'm offering you. This one sort of, I think, is one of the first ones that has really integrated that discussion to say, look, even if we just give you exactly what you're getting now from a diversification, I'm not changing your plan at all. Here's how much we can save you. Mm-hmm. And then, by the way, once we start to change your plan, Look at what we can do. You have, for example, some plans have 100 mutual funds in there or other investment options. It's like this is too complicated for any person that is participating in your plan to understand what they're supposed to allocate to. It's just too many choices. Mm -hmm. So let's cut this down. Let's do this. So I think different firms do different parts of that. And some do it quite well. I mean, some are very good at creating the tools that you need to go to the semi-annual or quarterly or annual meeting um, with the sponsor. You know, you can get the printouts, you can get all the Morningstar reports and all those kinds of things. That's not really the way that we positioned our tool at this point. It's been a natural request from our clients to kind of go down that avenue, but there are other tools that, that do that. So there are competitors, but we've always kind of tried to find our niche there. 
And with portfolio crash testing, there's quite a few of them out there that are competitors. I, some of them are better than others, but I just would invite people looking at a risk tool to really look at the methodology, make sure they understand at least what it's doing in spirit, how it works, what factors it looks like, and then really make their decision on based on what's best for them. But the more we can do to make it easier for them to use, that's just another kind of feather in the cap and, and another reason to, to go with a go with the product. So it's interesting. You know, we you talked about it, the number of choices that no one could possibly understand. It's again, I think you've heard of it more than once, the paradox of choice. You know, everybody wants to have all the all the options available to them and then they're just gonna default to whatever is easiest. But um, it's, yeah. it's it never, you know, same thing up here. We have a mandate to provide X number of choices in any kind of uh, any kind of company plan. But, you know, some people are, no one's ever happy with the number. They always want to be more or less. But uh, at the end of the day, I don't believe they've ever seen a single study that says the increased number of choices actually improves results. So... <laughs> So no, I mean, because there's a point where you, you're certainly diminishing returns, right? I mean, you, you know, I mean, at some point you just don't know what you're doing. I mean, just taking the case of my mom, who hopefully, if she listens to this, doesn't get mad at me for bringing her up in, in a podcast. But you she, don't have to she, tell her you're on the podcast. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, if she has a good review, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, right. So I, I was looking at her plan because she just retired. So she's almost 70 years old, and she's in 90% equity. You know, and it's like, it, it's it's not because she had too many choices or didn't have enough choices or anything. Like that. It's because she really didn't know what she was doing. Oh, these returns off. look good historically. I'll circle that. Exactly. That's yeah. right. And luckily, she has done great. <laughs> I will say because, you know, it's, it's been a market that was favorable for her her decision. But she's not retiring in 2008. That's why. Yeah, exa- well, that's exactly, exactly right. And so it looks good right now, but there's real potential that that looks like a disaster. So you need to get a handle on that before it becomes one. But that's uh, like you said, it's about it's, it's not about having the right choices, it's about understanding how to make the choices, I think. And there's definitely been made progress made there. I mean, for all their faults, time target date funds a better option than a lot of people were doing before. And uh, yeah. the defaults have been switched from cash to to actual balanced portfolios and mandates. So there's, there's definitely been improvement. But yeah, I mean, the, the number of clients I have in my practice who come to me and say, you know, they give me their statements. I'm like, why'd you choose this? I don't know. It looked like it was good at the time. And meanwhile, it's, you know, I just picked a bunch of stuff because I figured I'd diversify. It's like, well, you picked a bunch of stuff that are all Canadian equity. So <laughs> you're not. Yeah, which is one of the, you know, I mean, I don't know, a lot, a lot of advisors do this, but we, we always make sure we get them. We always advise them on what to, what to hold, even though we're not managing the assets. That's my sales pitch. Anyway, um, <laughs> so so with everything you guys have made, what's next in your chair? Like, what's up for development going forward? Well, I think right now, quite honestly, one of my roles is to put a little bit of the reins on development. We have... Slow I, it I, down, eh? Okay. Slow it down. You know, I, I think, you know, we're still a really small company and we have ideas and those ideas, we, we have the engineering resources that really just execute on these ideas so incredibly efficiently and quickly that we're able to put them into play. But the problem is, is when you always have a new favorite tool, your marketing can fall by the wayside a little bit. So we really, what we're really going to do is concentrate on getting these tools into advisors' hands and, and, and just out into the marketplace mm-hmm. in a more robust way, listen to the market, find out the enhancements that need to be made to these products, better ways that they can work together, better ways to integrate them into other tools, better ways to make the advisor experience better rather than creating something new. I think we have our kind of a full suite of product here that'll keep us happy for a while. So I'm not sure there's anything that's next on the horizon at this point. I think we really need to just focus on integrating the, the Larkspur tools. That, we already talked about like product extension, like you're talking about integration into financial planning software. You're talking about bundling things together. I mean, it sounds like, yeah, you're definitely going to sell, but you're also looking to leverage what you currently have into new avenues. Absolutely. I mean, that's, I think that's the key at this point is really just, I mean, like you said it best, leveraging what we already have into new avenues, trying to just about making the experience better. 
I think their tools are excellent if, you know, most of our advisors that use them really do like them. I mean, they wouldn't be clients otherwise, obviously. But um, I think that we've built a really good user experience, and it's just about making that a little bit better, making it play better, making it so that they don't have to make, you know, an advisor, and, and you know this better than I do. You shouldn't have to make five visits to five different applications to put the report that you want together. So can we help with that in any way? Can we integrate with other technologies to make that easier for you? Those are things we're interested in, in really starting to explore. Yeah, I mean, you say that in five different softwares and all that. I mean, the American experience is very different than the Canadian one. Uh, you guys have integration going on left, right, and center. When I go to the FPA conference and walk around, I am just green with jealousy. Here, nothing integrates to anything right now. So we'll see in a couple of years. Hopefully that migrates north of the border here, but it's the one thing that I hear over and over again. You know, just and you guys have busy practices. You know, you don't need to be focused solely on your technology. I mean, the technology is very important and it's very important to, you know, scaling a practice, but that's not why you got in the business. You didn't, you didn't get into the business to be a technology consultant or provider or anything like that. You're, you're a financial expert. Well, I mean, um, it's, I don't know if it was Steve Jobs said or someone similar, but it was, you know, good technology just gets out of the way, right? Like that's basically it. Like, let me do my work, get out of the way. I don't have to think, I shouldn't have to think about the need to repopulate the same data across five different things to accomplish exactly. five different things. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So that's really what's next for us is just really making that experience better. Well, Jan, thank you very much. This has been great. Any last comments or thoughts? No, you know, thank you for taking the time to talk to me today, Jason. It was really a, a pleasure to speak with you. And yeah, I look forward to hearing it. All right. I mean, that's great work. And honestly, if you, if you offered similar stuff in Canada, I'd be all over it. <laughs> anyway, take care. All right. Bye-bye. And that was my interview with Jan Perula. CEO of Extrema. I hope you enjoyed that. Once again, thank you for joining me. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. Thank you. Until next time. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at fintechimpact.co.